0: Planet Football with John
1: Bradley. Premier League, European and international. This is Planet Football on City Talk 105.9. It's just gone five o'clock. This is 105.9 City Talk and this is Planet Football with me, John Bradley. Good evening to you. Very busy show to get through uh, so much going on, of course, in, in the world of football. Got a very special guest on in just a moment's time. The captain of Oldham Athletic, a man who's just been playing in the African Cup of Nations as well for South Africa, and a man, of course, who's taken on Everton this weekend in Dean Furman. We're also going to hear from Alan Smith, a man who has scored in the Bow and played for Manchester United. He's going to preview Manchester United's game at Real Madrid. That, of course, is tomorrow night. And we're going to do the usual guff that we normally do the roundup of the European Leagues, and we'll preview view all the rest of the Champions League action and Europa League action this week, of course, with Liverpool in action against the St. Petersburg on Thursday night. few little news lines before we get underway. Domingos Paciencia has left Deportivo La Coruña after just six weeks in charge. The former Braga coach who beat Liverpool in the 2011 Europa League last eight has also coached Sporting Lisbon in the last 12 months, but he has now departed Deportivo just two points adrift at the bottom of La Liga. And get ready for a mad transfer scramble in the summer. It's been revealed that Christian Eriksen has turned down a new contract at Ajax. The 20-year-old Dane is one of the hottest properties in world football. You've probably seen him uh, playing for Denmark and for Ajax as well. He's desired by clubs all over Europe. His current deal runs out in the summer of 2014. Mark Overmars, who's now the Ajax technical director, has said that they could well sell him in the summer. And of course, the big news over the weekend, the African Cup of Nations was... Was won by Nigeria, who beat Burkina Faso by one goal to nil in the final. Sunday Embar scored the winner after 40 minutes. They'd beaten Mali four-one in the semi-finals. That after Mali edged through on a penalty shootout against the team of our special guest today. Good evening, Dean Furman. How are you doing? I'm oh, very well, thanks, Harry. Well. I guess you're still getting over the, the disappointment of being knocked out in the quarterfinals of the uh, African Cup of Nations, but it must have been a great experience for you, Dean.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, there's obviously nothing worse than going out the way we did. Uh, um, I constantly think to myself, well, if only I went the other way, but in the pump shootout shootouts, hindsight's a great thing, I think. Um the overall experience um, will stay with me for the rest of my life. It was definitely the highlight of my career. Um, from even the friendlies before the competition, playing, playing for my country so an exciting, very exciting. and uh, I'm, I'm honored to get the opportunity to do so, but to play in a major tournament on home soil and to just see the nation, the way they got behind us during the group stage. And of course, the quarterfinal it was, it was incredible to be involved in.
1: You watch from afar you know, in the 2010 World Cup. But you've been in and around the squad for a few seasons now, haven't you? It's not like this call-up came out of the blue for you.
0: Um, well, actually, it, it kind of did. Um, I, I was in the squad about four years ago. They played Australia at Loftus Road. I uh, was in the squad, but I didn't actually get on. And then from there, I never heard again, which uh, was a little bit disappointing. But about six months or so ago, the, they appointed a new manager in, in gordon Niggerson. Um, and I did get a call pretty much out of the blue. and he had watched a few of my games on DVD, um, and he wanted me to join up with a squad in Brazil, which was uh, which was unbelievable. Not only just to be with the squad, but to, to be able to go to Brazil and play against some of the best players in the world was uh, was quite a debut, really.
1: Yeah. Now a lad from Oldham who plays on, uh, and and I'm not being disrespectful to your pitch there, but it's a bit of a mud bath. But then you're going over to to Africa where the pitches look pretty hard. Uh, They didn't look the best surfaces in the world, but it must have been a real sort of eye-opener for you because obviously you're playing in these great stadiums and you've just got to totally readjust, do you, from playing in the English First Division?
0: Yeah, I think one of the things for me, um, I wanted to go and just play my own game, be be my natural self, uh, not be overruled by the situation and, and... the major tournament that it was, and, and the big stadiums. I just wanted to go out there and, and play my own games. If, if that would help the, the team, then uh, then then that was what I wanted to do. So I tried not to worry too much about my surroundings. Um, the stadiums were incredible, and it was it was a pleasure to play in front of yeah. fifty odd thousand. Um, and uh, especially being the home nation, it was full of South Africans, which was uh, incredible to play in front of. Uh but yeah I tried not to worry too much about my surroundings. I just wanted to get out there and play my natural game as if I was, I was playing at home and on boundary park.
1: I mean, you've been in England for a long, long time now, but you are still very much South African, aren't you?
0: Very much, very much. Um uh, I've still got a lot of family over there. Um with, and I'm very close to them and uh it was it was lovely to get back, especially in the tournament. We we started in Cape Town with a uh, warm up game, then we went to Johannesburg, and then we went to Durban. So it was an exp- extended period of time. I got to to go
1: around my country a little bit, um, which which was great as well. You took a massive gamble in your football career, didn't you? Because I know, you know, you joined Chelsea as a young lad, uh, uh, and maybe the things didn't work out at Chelsea, and you, you headed off and you went to Rangers, but you turned down a deal. And financial security, perhaps, at Glasgow Rangers to sign for Oldham Athletic, and that took a you know—it took a lot of steel and, a, and a, a lot of nerve, really, didn't it?
0: Yeah, well, uh, after my season alone at Bradford, and I absolutely loved my my year there under Stuart McCall, I had the the feeling that I just wanted to play games. Being in England meant I was closer to my family in London, and I knew that that I wanted to play week in, week out. I didn't want to go back up to to a club where. I wasn't necessarily going to play um, every week, and then from playing a full season at Bradford, I didn't want to go back to Rangers with the possibility of, of maybe playing a handful of games that season and being back in the reserve. So luckily I got the opportunity to come down to Oldham, and it's, it's been great for me. i um, played a lot of football. I've really come on uh, experience-wise, and um, I don't like to have regrets in my career, and I like to think it was the right decision
1: you're you're a real footballer as well, aren't you? you want to play football you're the sort of lad who, who wants to get it get it down and knock it about and I'm certain that playing in that olden team you know when you've got the likes of jose Baxter in there as well you can all complement each other, can't you
0: definitely i think i mean league one has it has a bit of everything it has the games where you can get the ball down and play but then it and it has uh, the other games where you have to get stuck in and, and win your tackles and win your headers. So it's exciting. You never know what a game's going to throw up. But when we have players of the quality like Jose in our team, um, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to play with. Uh, we ha- we do have to get the ball down and try to play as much as we can and get the ball to, to our players with, with quality like Jose.
1: He, he's followed a similar route as you as well because obviously he turned down. A deal at a big club to go and play first team football and and to try and you know find his future in the game that way and i don't i know you're only what 24 now but i suppose you can help him and give him advice in that way
0: yeah i think every player has their own uh, makes their own decisions in their career and um, we're very thankful to joseph that he did that because he is such a talent um and he's been a major standout for us this season he gets on the ball he makes things happen he scores goals um, but yeah, I, I think players come to, um, come to a stage in their career or, or an age in their career where um, they feel it's time to play, they, they want to play football and there's no better feeling than three o'clock on a Saturday and you're going out there in front of your home crowd looking to get three points and no, nothing quite beats it. So we're delighted to have Jose um, and we can we hope he can get a goal or many more <laughs> goals for the end of the season.
1: Um. What was it like for you being in South Africa when the lads were playing Liverpool?
0: It was, uh, it, fortunately, I missed the game. I mean, the coverage over there is, is unbelievable of the, English, of the English football. Every game is on TV. I think they get more games than we get over here. Yeah. Uh, so the game was on TV, uh, but I think they kicked off an hour before we did against Morocco. So I didn't know what was going on until half-time we, when we were 1-0 down and as we were walking out, one of the boys said to me, oh, your boys have done the business. Uh, now, you go out there, now you go out there and do it for us. So I didn't quite know what it meant, but I, I presumed it was positive. And we, we went out and did the business, did what yeah. we had to do, um, and to come back in and find out that we 1 3-2. Um, and especially that big Matt Smith had scored two. Um, I, I live with a big man and
1: I couldn't be happier. It. It, was, it was a very special moment. I must ask you about him because I was at the game. I, I commentated on it and, and I was amazed because, you know, I, obviously when you do your research about it, you see this boy that went over to America to do his studies, has been yeah. playing, lo- you know, in non league football, but has scored bucket loads of goals, but he hadn't scored that many. And then all of a sudden that day, he's playing against international central defenders. And. He just looked like a man possessed
0: yeah i think um i'm playing with him week in week out he is a real handful and uh, he's come on leaps and bounds obviously uh, coming from non-league it might have taken him a little bit a little bit of time um to kind of get to the level he wanted to be at but that is what he is he's a handful he is, he's unbelievable in the air he's big he's strong and uh the game for him was uh, just everything went for him he scored a great header and then a, and then a lovely tap in and uh can't take anything away from him. He worked so hard on his game to try and improve. And uh, delighted for him that he got two goals. And, and really uh, a big moment for him. So ho- I hope he enjoys it. But I hope he can uh, do repeat the feat next uh, on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, because obviously when you, you miss the Liverpool game, you're thinking, you know, I might have missed a, a decent chance. I know there's nothing that can replace what you were doing. But it was a great sort of game for old and the people of Oldham, the club as well. And then you miss the game. They win. And then they get drawn against Everton. It's perfect for you, isn't it?
0: <laughs> uh, very much, very much. Well, firstly, I have to try getting the team because the boys had a great result on uh, on Saturday. But no, for us as a club, as a whole, it's it's incredible what we've done in the FA Cup. I think um, even the Doncaster game in the second round, uh, or the third round, the second round, I think it was, yeah. people didn't expect us to win that. So almost on the... Even from the second round, we've been um, we've been the underdogs. Um, and we beat Nottingham Forest away, which was a terrific result. Then we've gone and beaten Liverpool. Um, and now we draw Everton. And, and we just have that kind of feeling of, well, um, we've done it before. And we know that Everton are a top, top side with, with world-class international players and having a great season. Um, but if we can show the same fighting spirit that we did against Liverpool and that we did on the weekend against MK... Um, we'll make it difficult for them. We will make it difficult for them. We'll be in their faces, and uh, we hope to make it a very difficult encounter for them.
1: In terms of the physicality of the game, do Everton represent a different challenge to Liverpool, who tend to like to play the ball around a little bit more, perhaps, than Everton do?
0: Yes, yeah, I mean they, they both have have unbelievable players. Uh, if you give them time, they will pass off the pitch. So we have to be able, we'll work hard on whatever some of the way they're going to play, but we want them to to kind of worry about us in a way. We want our good players to get on the ball and cause them a problem. But we'll be well drilled, we'll be organised, and then we'll try to stop them playing as best we can and and try to get our good players on the ball to try and win the game again.
1: Yeah, because obviously Paul Dickoff was in charge for the last game. Paul Gerrard is, uh, and Tony uh, Filizko are doing the stuff at the moment. Paul being a former Evertonian, of course, will be desperate to get one over on David Moyes, who was at the game watching you at the weekend. It, it, there's so many little side issues, and of course, Jose as well. So there's so many little side issues in this game, isn't there?
0: Of course. I mean, that's, that will be paper talk before the game kicks off. But once it kicks off on, on Saturday... Um, all that will be put aside, and it's and it's, it's eleven men, be eleven men. That's where we sit, um, and we'll be running for every ball. We'll be fighting for every challenge, and I think that's what the FA Cup does. It, it's against against the big teams. We the, the the smaller teams just go out there and fight for their lives, and uh, we'll be no different on Saturday.
1: What does the future hold for Dean Furman then?
0: Um, at the moment, um, we've got a very important fifteen sixteen games left of the season. Uh, we've got, like I said, the very exciting FA Cup game on Saturday. But beyond that, um, we have to survive. So that's, that's the near future. Beyond that, I'm out of contract in the summer. So who knows? Who knows? But first and foremost, uh, it's about staying in the league, really. I think that's the most important thing before we can start thinking about um, what's going to happen next season.
1: And the pride you had in having appearances in the African Cup of Nations on your CV must make you feel very proud. And your family, very of
0: much, course, very much. It, it was it was amazing from my family. Um, it was great to have to see all my family over there, and, and the, the good thing was there was great coverage over here of it, so all my family over here got to watch it. Um, and the, the response from the boys as well has been great, and it was it was a very proud moment. Um, and I, I hope for many more.
1: Listen, Dee, thanks for joining us. Uh, good no luck problem. at the weekend. Uh, I know you were on the bench at the weekend, but I hope you involved at for that game on Saturday because it's going to be a fantastic FA Cup tie, isn't it? I hope
0: so, yeah. I hope
1: so. Top man. Well, thanks a lot, Dean. We really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Thanks to Dean Furman, the Eldham Athletic and South African international midfielder for joining us on Planet Football right here on City Talk 105.9 tonight. He'll be in action on Saturday in the FA Cup fifth round against Everton. What a great game that is going to be up next we're going round the european leagues it's daily into europe time first up though a few messages and then we're back with you this is planet football with john bradley city talk 105.9 welcome back this is planet football city talk 105.9 something that caught my eye in the news over the last couple of days was Javi Alonso who has been speaking out, maybe in the build-up to the Manchester United game, but the journalist took the opportunity to talk to him over something that has been said uh, very publicly by the former president of Real Sociedad over the last couple of weeks. Now, Javi has said that, he saw no evidence of player doping at all during his time at Sociedad. The former president Inaki Badiola claimed that the Basque Club bought banned substances between 2001 and 2007. It's all part of the Fuentes affair, which is a wide-ranging court case into the illegal doping of cyclists and perhaps other sportsmen as well. It all comes out, of course, following the Lance Armstrong case, but this is something that's been going on in years uh, for Spain. But Alonso, who played for the club and he moved to Liverpool in 2004 says that he never saw anything at all during his time at the club that resembled drug use at all. It's one that's very much worth keeping an eye on and uh, certainly something that I will be following Daily into Europe time now on Planet Football, and that means only one thing, Roberto Daly. Hello, John. How are you, my friend? Very good, how are you? I am eclectic today. (laughs) Very good. I am looking forward to the return of the (laughs) UEFA Champions League. Uh, I'm looking forward to Liverpool against Zenit on Thursday night. Um and it's it. I think this is really where we do enter the final stage of the football season now when that starts again. But what we can announce today on Planet Football, here's an exclusive for everyone. Manchester United have won the Premier League, Bayern Munich have won the Bundesliga, Barcelona have won La Liga, Paris Saint-Germain have won Ligue 1, and I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying that Juventus have won Serie A, so let's just award all the trophies for those leagues today, Rob.
2: Yeah, why not? Uh, Because all those teams you mentioned extended their league, their leads at the top of the table. PSG, Bayern, Manchester United, Juve and Barca dominating the big five leagues. Mm. So, It's looking like uh, Paris Saint-Germain certainly are going to uh, Take because other teams can't capitalise on them dropping points. Yeah, let's,
1: let's start in France this week, mate, because mm. there was another PSG win, 3-1 over Bastion on Friday, another goal for Zlatan, albeit a penalty, but he made history, didn't he, by passing 20 goals quicker than anyone else or something. There was a surprising home defeat for Lyon, 3-1 against Lille, and Marseille minus Joseph Anthony Barton, they were held at struggling Evian.
2: Yeah, PSG inspired, once again, I thought, by uh, Lucas Moura, who we, we've chatted about in great detail since his summer move, uh, since his summer signing, but he didn't join until January, of course, from um, South America. The, the Brazilian international just looked superb again. He, he won the penalty for Ibrahimović, and it, it was relatively routine. And in truth, PSG, Leon were rubbish. <laughs> um, their listen, listen half...
1: there has been a turnaround in Lille's form lately. Let's give Leal a bit of credit, but Lyon, yeah. Yeah, no, they weren't great, worthy. Were
2: there were some really good um, sort of mind games going on before the game because Lille uh, in the press was saying things like, we just can't compete with the likes of Leon financially these days, putting a lot of pressure on Leon but they were 3-0 up at the Stade de Geelong within 50 minutes. And I have to say, Solomon Kalou looked absolutely brilliant, and um, he was ripping Leon apart, so they pull one back through Lissandro, but they they never looked like it, and it was their first half performance, which was dire, that cost them ultimately, and not what they need ahead of a... Big week in the UEFA Europa League.
1: Yeah, Marseille. Uh, Joey Barton, of course, was suspended after his red card last week, which, as we said last week, was a very harsh red card. But they were they were held at struggling Evian, and now Evian have the worst kit in football anywhere in the world. It's not pretty, is it? It basically looks like a bottle of Evian.
2: <laughs> it does indeed. Yeah. But they they conceded on the fifty first minute. Zignac with an unbelievable goal. I think we have to get this on the Twitter account, Listen, John.
1: he's a player, mate. He's a player.
2: Yeah, he, he sort of flicked the ball up to himself and volleyed it in from this acute angle. Heavy equalized in the penalty spot eight minutes after. But Marseille just shooting themselves in the foot. They got, Barton got sent off last weekend, as you said. Mm. Two players sent off, including the youngster uh, Jordan Ayew. Um, so Marseille now eight points off the pace. I'd say they're out of it personally. Yeah. I think Leon are the only team who can catch PSG, uh, but they're not doing themselves any favours either.
1: Just to let you know about Zignac, by the way, Joey tells me, and when Joey tells you this, it must be that he's mad. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Joey told me that Andre Pierre Zignac is mad. <laughs> Well, that's that's. Can you get that on a
2: certificate? <laughs> Joey Barton says
1: you're mental. <laughs> Listen, let's go to Spain. Real warmed up for the Manchester United tie with a 4-1 win and a Cristiano Ronaldo hat trick against Sevilla. Barcelona scored just the six against Catafe, uh, but the big result of the weekend for me was Rayo Vallecano's 2-1 win over Atletico. Now, Rayo have a side that cost precisely nothing, (laughs) and now they're in the European places in the league. It's a stunning effort, isn't it?
2: Amazing season they're having. So they're sixth at the moment, a UEFA Europa League spot, two points off Malaga. And remember, Malaga probably won't be allowed to play in the UEFA Champions League next season anyway because of their ban. So it's probably between Valencia, Rayo Vallecano, maybe Real Sociedad, who you've already mentioned there. Mm. But considering Rayo Vallecano lost Michu, yeah, In the summer, it hasn't really affected them too badly. And taking on, you know, a Madrid, fellow Madrid side in Atletico at the weekend, an astonishing result. Batistia um, getting a seventh of the season in that 2-1 victory. Falcao got one in the 90th minute. But Rayo, good for their win elsewhere in the city of Madrid. Uh, no surprise at Cristiano Ronaldo getting himself a hat-trick. I think he was only on the pitch for 62
1: minutes, <laughs> name? It was a 33-minute hat-trick, wasn't it, this Yeah, time? exactly. I mean, just unbelievable. And Barca got six against Katafi. Yeah, I watched that game, and it never looked like it was gonna be six. Can you just confirm to me it kicked off at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning our time?
2: That's right, yeah. That was the same when I went to that Real Madrid game a couple of weeks oh, ago, right, it was, uh, midday. And it's quite good, actually, because... Uh, I was reading uh, in one of the papers out there that it means all the kids can go. There was loads of kids at the Hatafe yeah, game course. I was at, because obviously if the games are at 9, 10 o'clock at night our time, kids aren't getting back from home in Madrid till 1am, 2am in the morning. So, yeah, nice to see that, I suppose. But it does look weird seeing Spanish football in the daylight.
1: Yeah, with no floodlights <laughs> on at all. Was there a little thing that maybe they were doing it like showing one game for the Asian market at that time?
2: A lot of that is going on across the continent at the moment. I mean, Malaga... It, particularly from memory, we're trying to uh, accommodate and try and change fixtures and that kind of thing for, for that market. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. TV money is the the big motivation at the moment. And uh, I'm sure that had a pretty decent audience. I certainly chewed on before Super Sunday stuff. So, yeah. But impressive from Barca. And I, I texted you earlier saying I've got this sort of love thing for Iniesta at the minute, particularly after the weekend. He got a goal, but he was just un. Real. <laughs> Unreal, uh,
1: listen, this guy. We know how good he is. I mean, it's Andres Iniesta, of course, but I mean, he is. I don't know. Sometimes he just looks. Ridiculous, obscene. You
2: know he's not going to give it away. And mm. do you know he almost joined Rangers at one point, on loan?
1: I never knew that.
2: He did. Really? Yeah, Rangers were trying to sign him when he was a kid, and it was Alex McLeish was the manager, I think, and they said, uh, we'd like to take Iniesta over, and then that he was going to go, and then Barcelona changed their minds. They said, actually, the Scottish League might be a bit too robust for him at 18, 19, mm. and changed their minds. If, uh, they,
1: if they got a couple of injuries, you know, they'd be in trouble, wouldn't they? There isn't that much beneath the surface.
2: It's when th- that's when they have to go into the lads who are probably too good for Barca B. Yeah, and Teo came on at the weekend. He scored, and he's sort of been in and around the first team.
1: Well, he was linked with Liverpool, of course. Uh, last yeah, he summer, was, wasn't he? he? Yeah. yeah, and of course, cuenca has gone to uh, Ajax. He right? has
2: indeed, and I think he played in the Champions League semi-final last season. Yeah. So they must be relatively confident in what they've got, but. They've been making sort of relatively shrewd acquisitions. Song played at the weekend. He's not quite at the same level as all the others, you know. You, you see them playing the passes. Song's a very tidy player. Mm. It's not the same wavelength yet.
1: Right. Um, Interesting. But
2: I, I certainly don't expect him to start in the Champions League.
1: Let's go to Italy now because Juve won again 2-0 against uh, Decent Fear and teen side. Comfortable game, though. Now, I don't want to be generalizing, but you can't beat a good generalization, Okay. and Juve were one of only three teams in Italy this weekend to score more than once in a game out of 20 teams in Serie A. Sampdoria and Inter uh, on Sunday night with the others, Mm. Napoli and Lazio losing ground on leaders Juve because they played each other. Solid defending, is that what we're saying? Well, basically, (laughs) Non-attacking football, <laughs> Liberos, Catanaccios and all that. Uh, and Basically, the thing is is that there's never goals in Italy, Serie A. Uh, that hasn't been the case this year, but at the weekend basically only three teams scored more than one goal.
2: Yeah, and Juve getting two. Very interesting actually, the scores in that game, John, beating Fiorentina 2-0. Um, Vucinic and Matri, two forwards for Juve. Mm. Clearly there's a lack of faith in the strikers that Juventus have. Llorente joining in the summer, Anelka was on the bench but didn't come on. I think that's a fitness thing uh, as opposed to anything because he signed for the rest of the season. But good for those two strikers to, to score. They've got the Champions League resuming once again and they're trying to say, well look, we're good enough. We can do the job." You don't need any other reinforcements, and they'll be hoping to try and keep an Anelka from the side. But Juve probably needed bodies fighting on two fronts.
1: Vucinic is, Vucinic is a player, mate. Uh, I will well, never, ever have anyone say a bad word against him. He's magnificent.
2: Yeah, and it was an unbelievable goal at the weekend. This struck volley from mm. 20, 25 yards out. Great goal. So um, Juve five points yeah. clear at the top now.
1: Right, let's go to Germany, because it was a mad old weekend uh, over in the, uh, German country. Uh, strange thing to call Germany, isn't it, the German <laughs> country? Uh, basically In f- Deutschland? Yeah, Deutschland is <laughs> In the Bundesliga. Um... A full-strength Borussia Dortmund went down 4-1 at home to Hamburg. And I say full-strength because I thought when I saw the results, I've not seen the game, mm. they might have rested a few ahead of Shakhtar this week. But they didn't. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen drew 3-3 at Gladbach. Bayern Munich are now 15 points clear at the top. They beat Schalke 4-0. David Alaba scored twice to become the first Austrian to score twice for Bayern. I like that stat. Yeah,
2: yeah he stepped up for a penalty, and, and it's been far too easy for Bayern this season. Dortmund and have been dropping points needlessly. Leverkusen have probably exceeded expectations in some respects, um, but they are 16 points off Bayern, so mm. there's, there's a huge gap there. Really interesting stuff happening at Bayern at the minute, John, behind the scenes, because they've basically got the title wrapped up already. Sure, they've got the UEFA Champions League to battle on in, but the impending arrival of Guardiola in the summer and the plans for when he takes over the team might actually be disrupting things a little bit. Mario Gomez uh, has spoken very publicly about whether the club value him or not. Uh, He was injured for a lot of the season, Mandzukic playing up front and scoring, uh, and a lot of the talk is that Lewandowski's going to sign for Bayern. So if Lewandowski signs for Bayern, there's no there's no spot for Gomez. Yeah. Um, So he said, look, I need to know where I stand with this kind of thing. And you have to feel sorry for Mario Gomez because last season, fewer out-and-out centre-forwards were better in the world. So it's actually disrupting things a little bit, perhaps, but it's not showing on the field because uh, they blew Schalke away, to be
1: honest. Do you know, two and a half seasons ago... Mario Gomez was being touted around the English Premier League for around £5 million.
2: I remember, didn't Liverpool... I thought Liverpool linked with him on loan as well, when no. Hodgson was yes. manager. Yes, I mean, what a signing that would have been. <laughs> well, it was that someone.
1: season, after they were going to get rid of him, that he just basically scored every single week. <laughs> And he scored like two a game.
2: And he would be great here, wouldn't he?
1: Oh. He'd be great he's here. He's just a great finisher. He, yeah. I know I know he fluffed his lines a bit in the Champions League final and people write him off, you know, because the English press write him off. But he's a good player and he's a, he's a good striker. But Lewandowski, as you say, you know, is one that that, that could come in and, and do a job for them. But he got sent off at the weekend, didn't he?
2: He did. It was a weird sending off. He... He'd scored the opening goal of the game, then they went 2-1 down to Hamburg with van der Vaart playing, Uh, and he went in for this challenge a bit too high for the referee's liking. I don't know if it was a straight red. I felt it was a bit harsh deep down. It was really clumsy, Uh, but I didn't see any malice in it. But off he went, and he took a while to get off the pitch because he was not happy at all. Let's see if Dortmund can focus for the Champions League in the week because, you know, the title's gone.
1: Yeah, we are going to talk about the Champions League because there's, there's some fantastic games that that are coming up. But across the European leagues, you know, it's a formality now, isn't it? I mean, will people lose interest in, in the league football? Because it, it's all done and dusted. We're not going to have another, you know, last day in the Premier League, are we? That's done and dusted now. And, and across Europe's top leagues now, the winners are pretty much guaranteed.
2: It is a bit of a shame. I mean, I I, I know a lot of neutrals to football who really wanted Everton to get a result of United just so that there was a... The title race is still alive a little bit. Um, Manchester City have a lot to do now. Germany by... Listen, listen, Manchester
1: done. City have, sto- have got to stop using the Ant Hill mob from Penelope Pitstop as their back four at Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> That's reference. Gonna st- <laughs> That's what they look like. <laughs>
2: if we're going to go into English football on this show, we're going to do it in some style <laughs>
1: with references like that. Well, listen, you know, it's like Ricky Lambert was the hooded claw or something in the game, wasn't he? <laughs> absolutely bizarre. Listen, Rob, I know it's a formality and stuff. We've dealt with the top European leagues. You're going to stay with us though now, aren't you? Because we're going to talk Champions League. Of course. Yeah, uh, because it's such a big week and of course the Europa League as well. So stick with us. Rob is going to do that and I hope you stick with us as well because there is so much more to come on Planet Football. (laughs) This is Planet Football with John Bradley. City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to the final part of today's Planet Football right here on 105.9 City Talk. We've spoken to Dean Furman of Oldham Athletic. We've previewed the Oldham Everton game this weekend. We've talked about the African Nations Cup. We've talked about all the leagues in Europe. Rob Daly is still with us. And now we're going to talk about this week's action in the Champions League and the Europa League. Yes, it is. Any excuse to play your theme tune
2: again? I game? was hoping the Champions League team was going to come on there.
1: No, I'd much rather play the Minder team. I'd much rather play the Minder team. If anyone who knows me actually <laughs> d- realises, I do actually watch Minder every day on ITV4 as well. You'd
2: have teams coming out to
1: that before games. Of course I would. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, obviously, in the case of Manchester City or but the theme from Penelope Pitstop, yeah, there, yeah, of course. defending the other day against <laughs> Southampton. Right, let's talk Champions League, mate. Four games this week. Uh, the big game... Massive game. There is no better game in Europe this week than Shakhtar Donetsk. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, seriously, I actually think Shakhtar Borussia Dortmund will be a better game than Real v Manchester United. Oh, I don't know.
2: I'm I'm so I'm so pumped for all of it. Really? Yeah. yeah I'm so excited, man.
1: Well, obviously, you've got Celtic uh, against Juventus that you are at tonight, where you're doing your stuff for UEFA.com you, uh, on your panel show there. So let's start at uh, Celtic Park, where you are broadcasting from tonight. Because it's uh, an intriguing game, isn't it? I think it's going to
2: be amazing. And and the way that the Celtic players and Neil Lennon have been talking this up, they seem to have got themselves into quite a good psychological place for this match. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what team Juve put out Uh, They're training, they have been training anyway at Rangers, so it just adds a nice little element to it that they've been there training for this one. So we don't need to say stuff about the atmosphere. We know that's going to be truly special. It's whether they can put in... uh, I mean, anyone could beat anyone over 90 minutes, I think. You know, we we saw Celtic beat Barcelona. I I personally believe the challenge becomes so much more difficult when it's two legs, because you need them to have an off day, and then you need them to have two off days.
1: Yeah, I think that in the group stage celtic did amazingly to get through in a group that contained barcelona benfica and spartak but i also think they were helped by ineptitude uh from spartak moscow and from benfica as well yeah. but, you know for them to beat barcelona was a, was an amazing result
2: that really set them up and then when they lost at benfica it looked like That was it, didn't it? But they managed to pull out the bag a bit fortuitous perhaps in their final group game but um, Chris Commons held his nerve to score that penalty which effectively put them through. And I think in keeping someone like Hooper they've effectively made a signing because it it did look like he was going out the football club Neil Lennon said this week that him and Fraser Forster, he expects to leave at some point, because Forster's been excellent, and now in England, uh, part of the England set-up. So it could be a last sort of swan song in the Champions League for them, because things domestically for them are relatively simple, with Rangers well out the picture.
1: Worth remembering as well, the task that they faced, Juventus knocked Chelsea out of this season's competition, effectively, on on match day six, didn't they?
2: They did, and I think everyone was thoroughly impressed with how they played, in Turin in particular, but they... They've had this sort of dip in form. I know they are running away with things in Italy a little bit, but their form has dipped, and the return of Antonio Conte to the dugout after his ban uh, has been very important. It's actually his first game in the UA for Champions League this season because he came back after the group stages. But the loss of Chiellini, who's been out with a calf injury since mid-December, has really affected things at the back for them. They kept clean sheet the weekend, but he's been a big loss. And in that sort of atmosphere... You know, a feisty game against a robust Celtic side. Chiellini would have been a perfect player to have available to them.
1: Yeah, um, they got through by winning uh, Shakhtar Donetsk on match day 6. Shakhtar against Borussia Dortmund is a mouth-watering tie. And remember, when we first started Planet Football, you thought Borussia Dortmund could win the Champions League. Y- Do you still? You put me under so much pressure, though. I know. Remember that. Oh. Um, yeah, why
2: not? I think they're just fantastic. I think they're a team that are built as well... To do well in uh, cup football granted they had a bad result the weekend but they'd won five games in a row before that jürgen klopp said look it was just one of those days of the office um and perhaps they did have one eye on the way for champions league in the week there's no doubt the Shakhtar game was much more important than the hamburg game they're going to finish top four they're going to be in the champions league next season so yeah i'm going to stick to it and i think i think they'll beat Shakhtar.
1: listen villian's gone from Shakhtar, but they have brought tyson in from Metallist Kharkiv, can he play?
2: I think he can, because Because he's played in the Europa League and
1: now he can play in the Champions League. He can go up
2: a competition, yeah. So he'll be able to play, um, and it'll be interesting to see how they actually fit him in. But you look at when Shakhtar last played a competitive game. Mm. Uh, They have been in Dubai, I think, or somewhere um, for pre-season, but they haven't played since December. Their first league game isn't until March. They've lost Villian. I think the odds are stacked
1: against them. I saw them hammer Zenit St. Petersburg in Dubai two weeks ago, 3-0, Mkhitaryan scoring twice, and they look brilliant, and they look as though they've worked really hard. And, and for them, but it must be so hard, mustn't it, you know, to, to have this two-month break and then come back.
2: Yeah, and um, it, there's no real solution to it. I mean, we've no. seen the Russian calendar change. Mm. They've they've moved it to our, you know, a, a summer summer to May sort of season. But because of the weather, they still have to have that big break in the middle. Yeah. There's no getting around it, unfortunately, for them unless they wanted to play too much of the season in Dubai.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you still think Borussia Dortmund will come through this tie? Then, because I think this is this is one that you know you could get a, you couldn't get a piece of paper between the two of them.
2: Yeah, they're both playing brilliant, attractive football, but I think. The way Royce and Lewandowski and Bashakovsky have played in the UEFA Champions League this season, I, f- I fancy them to turn over Shakhtar, who... Big call, because
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for Shakhtar on that one.
2: Okay, is this so, a
1: bet? Well, we'll, we'll have a, a nice honest pound on it or something. <laughs> okay, um, done. Not that we're condoning betting people at home or wherever you are listening to (laughs) us uh, right now. Uh, Let's move on to another game, and and let's talk about uh, Valencia against Paris Saint-Germain. Valencia basically owned by the council. They're in financial destitution. Paris Saint-Germain are at the other end of the spectrum. With all the money in the world, realistically, PSG should go through. But you never know, do you?
2: there has been a change for Valencia. You know, that their season has turned around since Ernesto Valverde, the former Olympiacos coach, came in. He took charge in early December when Valencia were 12th, um, with eight, only 18 points from 14 league games. So that was their worst start to a season since ninety nine 2000 I think. Uh, and they're now up to 5th. They're level on points of Rao Vericano, but they're in a prime position to get in the UEFA Champions League again. And I don't think anyone could have foreseen that. Another transfer window's gone past. Soldado's still at the football club. Jonas is playing well. Mm. And they, they, I think they won at Celta Vigo at the weekend. So they, they certainly have picked things up. Um, it's where the PSG... And, look, we know PSG can have an off day.
1: Yeah. On, well, that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you never know what you're going to get from them.
2: Yeah, and I mean, there's all this talk about whether Jose Mourinho could potentially go to PSG at the end of the season if his time at Real has come to an end effectively. I don't know if that's unstable things particularly, but we also have to mention that David Beckham won't be playing Uh, any part in this game. I don't know how much he'd actually play in the Champions League anyway. Mm. It was something we talked about last week. We're sceptical of the amount of game time David Beckham's actually going to get. But the fixture has literally come too early uh, for him to feature.
1: Well, they're talking about him playing against Marseille on the 23rd of February, aren't they, as as his potential debut. Yeah. Who's going to win this one, mate? Uh, I'm going to go with
2: Paris Saint-Germain.
1: So you're going with Juventus, Paris Saint-Germain and Borussia Dortmund for those three games. Yeah, yeah. I'm going Juve... PSG, and Shakhtar. Okay,
2: we're even so far.
1: Now, the final game of this week is the one tomorrow night in the Santiago Bernier bout. What more can you say? Real Madrid against Manchester United. Champions of Spain against the team that has won the league in England this year. It's just
2: going to be amazing, isn't it? I, I would say to everyone, Sky plus Shakhtar, and watch it like the next day or something because that's going to be brilliant. I'm, because watching, I'm
1: watching that, mate.
2: You're going to watch that. Yeah, I, I, I think that. most people obviously will, will flick on for yeah, Real Madrid, yeah. Manchester United. And all the talk about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo who says Real Madrid are a better team than Manchester United. Personally, I think Real Madrid are going to go through.
1: I have a problem with Real Madrid. My main problem is is that they've chucked the Spanish league this year. And they've basically decided what they're going to do is turn it off and on like a tap when they play in the Champions League. And all of a sudden get up, play in the Champions League. and They are trying to win the Champions League this year for me, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think that given their performances and the lackadaisical attitude that they've had in La Liga this season, that it is going to be very hard for them to lift themselves over two games against... A uh, good Manchester United team. Yeah, I don't think it's a great Manchester United team. I think it's a good Manchester United team.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I'd also say that Real Madrid haven't been brilliant in the Champions League this season. You know, they they got results against Manchester City and and did manage to get through in the end, but they didn't look like the Real Madrid who blitzed through their mm. group last season. Yeah. It's whether the amount of focus, how much focus will be. On Ronaldo, I think this is going to be so interesting to see who Sir Alex Ferguson picks. Uh, if Ronaldo is going to be playing sort of down the left-hand side, as he tends to do of the front three, if you like, or whatever you want to call it, I don't think Rafael is substantial enough on his own to handle Ronaldo. I was surprised Valencia started at the weekend because he seems to fancy Valencia as a mm. right-back at times yeah. and I would have thought a Rafael Valencia double up on Ronaldo uh, might actually make sense. That'd be a good sense.
1: idea. Good good tactical thinking, my friend. Thank you, thank you. So you're going for Real, though?
2: I'm going for Real and I expect Mesut Özil to blow us away.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go for Real just because, you know, I think that, that they've got better individual players who on the night will we'll go through. Mm. Now, on Thursday, the return of the UEFA Europa League, the big Big game, and, w- and just not because we're biased, is Zenit against Liverpool, isn't it? Absolutely.
2: Mouth-watering fixture, this one. I can't wait to see who... Again, I'm really looking forward to Sir Alex Ferguson's team selection. I really can't wait to see who Brendan Rogers plays for this yeah. one. Uh, we all know he picked a very young team to go to Angie, and they put in a very respectable performance. I yeah. think we could agree they never looked like they were going to win the game, uh, but considering the team that went out to Angie, they put in a good
1: performance. Well, listen, I was going to get a Zenit expert on Mm. Um, ahead of the game to talk about Liverpool versus Mm. any... But I've decided there's no bigger expert than, <laughs> on Zenit than me. Okay, so
2: I'll interview you. Okay, go on then. Okay, um, what can we expect from Zenit, John?
1: Well, they've not played, obviously, since the start of December. They've been away in Dubai, uh, and they've also been in Turkey as well. They have brought in a couple of players Milan Rodic, the Serbian fullback, and Neto, who played for Portugal last week. Uh, I don't think either of them will play, in truth. It's all about Roman Shirokov, uh, Danny. Olka uh, and Kozjakov. They're the, the, the four that basically will be crucial in the first game in the Petrovsky. It's going to be about minus eight. But I think that, you know, if Liverpool can go there and keep it tight, I don't think Zenit are a team at the minute that will score three or four goals. And I think if Liverpool stay in the game in Russia, then in the return at Anfield, where Zenit will look to be very compact and keep it tight, Liverpool can come through. Do
2: you actually think Zenit have got over this? Bad start to the season because they had a bad league start to the season, and in Champions League football, they were all over the place.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were all over the place, and that was all down to. Uh, the signing of Olkin Vitsil and Vitsil's been brilliant by the way Uh, just before the break he was fantastic Uh, and I think that now you look at them and think there's a bit more togetherness in the squad Uh, Denisov and Kozjakov have got over the problems with the manager I still think there's still a little bit of dissent in the camp Uh, there was talk of Anjukov falling out with the manager in Turkey but players fall out with managers all the time I think there was a marked improvement in the form before the winter break and they've had this time together now for the last month you know they returned on January the 8th uh, to start preparing wow. for the Liverpool game. I think that, you know, that there is a lot more togetherness in the squad now, so it's going to be interesting.
2: Oh, it's going to be great, isn't it? I think, uh, it's, I think it's a great tie.
1: You know, and I, I, and I don't think that a lot of the hype problems with the Zenit fans are going to occur. I think the Liverpool fans will enjoy the trip. St. Petersburg, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. It's a really old-fashioned uh, Eastern European bowl of a ground as well. I think it's going to be a fantastic tie, I really do. I think Liverpool are good enough to beat them, but I think that, There are some very good players at Zenit who will cause Liverpool problems, and I think it's going to be a really good game.
2: Do you think, uh, obviously, Liverpool played last night? I mean, only three days travelling to Russia, do you think it'll...
1: I think it's ludicrous. And, and, right, the, the way that, I mean, obviously we've been in and around football for a long time, me in particular. Now, Liverpool played on Monday night, you know, last night, Tuesday, basically, is a recovery day for the players. Wednesday, they fly to Russia. Now, it's a four-hour flight from Liverpool to St. Petersburg. Added to that the four-hour time difference, so you fly at eight, you don't arrive till four, you've then got to go to the stadium and train, you've got to have a press conference, then you've got to have your, your meal and you go to bed, and you know that's the problem. I think that the FA, the Premier League, could help English clubs more. The Russian FA and the Russian Premier League, they bring games forward whenever their teams are playing in Europe. I know it doesn't affect them for this game or the second league, but they've been moving games to a Friday for when the teams are playing in Europe the following week. I think our Premier League could, uh, could do with Mourinho flagged that something...
2: when he was here, didn't he? Yeah. He I... said uh, in Portugal he got loads of favours when he was taking Porto to the final. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea got, he got nothing out of them. Uh, for me, it's a damage limitation for Liverpool in Russia. Come away still very much in the tyre from Russia, and I think they'll be
1: Zenit. The main key is to watch the late runs of Shirokov into the penalty area. You've got to keep a close eye on Miguel Dani, and look out for Chris Chito from left back as well, because he makes some very, very late and dangerous runs into the penalty area, and can nick a goal as well. Right, that's it. We're out of town, Rob. We, we could go on about Zenit Liverpool all night. Uh, you know me, I could talk about Zenit for about three <laughs> of months. Of course. Um, have a great week, pal. I know that you're at Celtic tonight. Enjoy the game there. Where are you tomorrow night? Uh, Bernabeu. Enjoy that one, mate. Where what else Hard would life, you mate? be? Uh, we'll catch up with you next week on Planet Football. That's Rob Daly. I've been John Bradley. Have a great week of football. Wherever you're watching it in the world, it's a great week of European football as well. This has been Planet Football on City Talk 105.9. This is Planet Football with John Bradley. City Talk 105.9.